And the title of the message is that Jesus keeps good company. Mark chapter 2. Uh, this was my series on Sunday nights before things had to be adjusted. So every once in a while, I want to go in, dabble in this, and uh, just take draw out in the series of, of messages from verse by verse and enjoy this, um, uh, this portion of Scripture because Mark really gives you a short and sweet synopsis of each one of the events as they happened during the last three and a half years of Jesus's life on earth. And the things that happened and what he taught, just it's like a, 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 it's not all long drawn out and lots of details. It actually is very, very just straightforward and it just makes you stop and go, wow. So let's look at the wow of Jesus as he calls Levi. Now I got uh, just the illustration in, in, in um, the gospel of Mark, Chapter two, Jesus spent almost all his time in an area around the Sea of Galilee in northern Israel. So he's walking everywhere. He's talking to everyone he meets. He's teaching. He's questioning. He's attracting mainly men. Now, children, women, loads of people are following him, but mainly it's grown men. Now, he's especially preaching about a kingdom, and they all wanted a kingdom, but he was preaching about a different kind of kingdom than they expected. See, there is a kingdom coming. It's called the kingdom of heaven. But there is a kingdom that Jesus was bringing at that moment called the kingdom of God, which was spiritual. It's just as real, but it was another whole way of living, a whole other dimension that you cannot see, handle, touch, buy, sell. Um, it is uh, um, uh, the, the, the better of the two kingdoms, I believe, because it is inside. Now, uh, he actually, to prove that he was bringing in this kingdom, he did some physical things, like he healed lepers. He healed the blind. He kicked out devils. He, he fevered people like Simon Peter's mother. He raised up and he even raised the dead. Entire villages would come in to hear him because he was, um, was showing that something was happening. So now if you try to, if you just remember where he's ministering and where he's talking, he's not down in Jerusalem. He's not in the big city. He's way up in what we call Northern Israel, okay? He grew up in Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in Nazareth. In this area around the Sea of Galilee is where Jesus is ministering. As a matter of fact, he spent a lot of time up in the northern, very northern tip called Capernaum. And sometimes he would tell his disciples to get in the ship and they would go across the sea and they'd go north and south. It's a lot faster than, I guess, walking around this large, what we would call a large lake, but they called it the Sea of Galilee. Now, up until this point, Jesus has called four men to follow him. He's called Simon, Peter, and his brother, Andrew. And back in chapter one, he's called James and John. But here now, as we come to chapter two, Jesus calls a man named Levi to be his disciple. So let's pray. Father, thank you that we could open the word of God. And Lord, we're, we're dense. We, we, we come to the Bible and it's it's a different world that we're reading about, but it's a better world because you were there. Lord, you want to be in this world and it's in the hearts and the minds and the lives of Christians. And really not just, we get the idea Christians are good people, but he actually came for sinners. And this morning, God, as we open your word of God, I pray you'd open our heart that we would hear it and we would connect the dots that it's about us. It's not just about Levi, it's about you calling us and that we would answer. Lord, would you please help us so we can see, Lord, what you see. Uh, Lord, when we look 
at this man, Levi, we're going to see a tax collector. We're going to see a publican. We're going to see a sinful man, somebody we wouldn't want to associate with. But you saw somebody that you loved and you reached out to him and said, follow me. Lord, can we please take off the blinders from our eyes and, and listen to that and, and take off the mufflers off our ears and listen to that same call this morning, that somebody this morning would hear your call and would decide that no matter the cost, no matter the price, no matter how high, high the price may be or how hard it may be, that we would follow you. Lord, it's, we can talk about it, but it's a whole lot harder than we think. So please help us to make the decision this morning and that you would give us grace to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now, as I said, Jesus, as we talk about Levi, I, I want to emphasize how Jesus, um, I want you to see how God can see beyond who we are. Okay. We're going to see what, what Levi, now this is just a, a movie actor. Uh, sometimes I put up drawings of people, right? I just want you to get an idea. This is a real guy. But what we see is not what Jesus saw. He could see beyond what we, who we are. Um, and he can see beyond what we have done. We'll learn this morning why he calls everyone to simply follow him. He doesn't call us to be good people. He call us, calls us to be good followers. Now, uh, look in chapter uh, 2 and verse 13. Um, I should have read that, but let's look at verse 13. It says, and he, Jesus, went forth again by the seaside of the Sea of Galilee, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. So now look at verse 14 as I come to our next verse. Verse 14 says, and as he passed by, he saw one man. Verse 14, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom. It was a table. Sometimes it was a booth, depending upon whether it was dangerous and he had to be surrounded by protective walls. But he's sitting at the seat, at the receipt of custom. And Jesus said unto him, said to Levi, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now just stop there for a moment. And I want to talk about Levi being called. Because I want you to get the idea that Jesus is surrounded. Back there we saw in verse 13 that multitudes are surrounded. And Jesus looks at one man. I mean, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of people talking, a lot of people trying to get his attention. And Jesus saw one man named Levi. Now he knew all about, he knew all about Levi. <clears throat> he knew his name. You know, actually, Levi is known by two names. Do you know what his other name was? We have a gospel written by him. His other name was Matthew. So it's kind of funny. In, in those days, a lot of people had two names, sometimes three. I don't know why that gets popular. Um, and uh, we still do that. But uh, my, my brother's name is William, but we call him Bill. Um, and um, uh, we have somebody in our church named Bill, but his proper name is William it's the two different names. Why couldn't they make up their mind? I don't know. Anyway, Simon was known as Cephas. Bartholomew was known as Nathaniel. Thomas was also called Didymus, which means the twin. So he knew his name. He knew all about Levi. He knew he was the son of Alphaeus. He knew, and by the way, Alphaeus has got three more boys that ultimately are called by Jesus to follow him. That's, a, that's an amazing family that Jesus would pick four men of one man to follow him. He was also a tax collector. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road, as they say. He worked for the Roman government. He was a public official, hence the name publican. I know we use the word republican, but that's not the same. Now, Israel was not a free nation. They were under Roman rule. The Irish know a little bit about that. 
100 years ago, they fought for their freedom from it. 230, 240 years ago, America fought for its freedom to be out from under a foreign rule. But Israel was not a free nation. And everyone obviously had to pay taxes to Rome. <clears throat> the Romans hired, the Romans didn't come in and collect taxes. They hired Jewish people to extract taxes from Jewish people. Talk about an unpopular job. These publicans were very thorough. They had everyone's names and addresses in the area. They had, they uh, were even assigned, uh, they had everyone assigned to what they owed and when they had to pay it. So, so-and-so's uh, payments for taxes were due at such and such time of the year. Another person may be another time of year. And um, uh, Levi and all the publicans kept track of, they noticed how much people were catching in fish and how much uh, approximate money they were making. And so they would always uh, increase taxes as much as they could. Now, these tax collectors were bullies. They extorted high taxes from everyone, and the Roman soldiers standing next beside them made sure that you didn't argue with them. They were looked upon as traitors to the Jewish nation. They were working for the enemy. They only lived for greed. That was, that was the mark of being a publican. All you lived for was money, the love of money. They were allowed to overcharge. So say you owed 100 uh, euros for, uh, for your taxes. Now, again, their, their amount of money was a lot less than what we pay uh, in, in number, but the value was the same to them. A penny was a day's wage. And so say you owed 100 euros to the, to the government. Well, Levi would put on an extra 20 on top of that and say you owe 120, and then he would keep his uh, 20 euros for his own pocket. They were allowed to do that. So the publicans were hated, rejected by the Jewish society. They were outcasts. They were never invited to uh, events. They were always on the outside when things were going on in the middle of the villages. Nobody liked the publicans. Nobody did. Yet here was Jesus. Here was Jesus talking to this publican and wanting this tax collector to be with him. Uh, I need you to go to Jeremiah, and I want to show you a, a, a crazy verse. You're going to hold your place in Mark and go to Jeremiah right after the book of Isaiah. Comes Jeremiah, and in Jeremiah chapter 1, because I want to make a statement here, and I want you to understand. Jesus knew all about Levi already, but the truth is he knows all about you and me too. And yet he still calls us to himself and he calls us to a greater purpose than what this world will ever offer. Jeremiah chapter one, verse four. <clears throat> then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, before I formed thee, you're not an accident in your mother's womb. You were formed by God. As the Bible says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I prepared you for use. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So before Jeremiah was ever born, God said, I'm going to use that young man. I have a calling for him. You know, Jeremiah was no perfect uh, person. Um, he had his uh, problems. He had his own issues and own sins. And yet, uh, yet God says, I knew you before you ever were born. And he knows you better than you do. He knows you, what you've done, where you've been, what you've said, what you haven't done. He knows what you're going to do. He says, I know you, and yet I call you. That's a wonderful truth. He knew all about Levi, and yet he was calling him. Look at the second, look at the third thing I want to say. 
Jesus summoned him. Now, I want to use the word summoned here because a lot of people just use the word call. And he did call him, but the concept is he summoned him. Because when Jesus says, follow me, he's not asking. It's more than an invitation. He didn't ask Levi, oh, will you follow me? No, he said, follow me. He said, just do it. It was like a summons that you get from a court. When they say meet uh, at the court on such a day at such a time, it's not an ask. It's a summons. So it's not quite a command, but it is a serious expectation for you to comply. So did you know that's how his calls still are today? You must be born again. You think you can choose? Yes, you can. But what a fool you are if you don't choose Christ and you choose to go your own way. Quit thinking that when Jesus asks and when he summons and when he says what we ought to do is, is, is an option for us to refuse. Now, I want to, when he summoned Levi, when he called him to follow him, I want you to think about what it means to follow Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that we just sort of visit with Jesus from time to time. I'm glad you're spending the time with me right now. We're kind of visiting right now. On Wednesdays, we get a little more interaction. We use Zoom and we actually see everybody and we say hi to everybody and we kind of get a little small. How are you doing? Uh, what's it like over there? Boy, look how big you're getting. Uh, um, uh, you know, um, all the kinds of little, at least uh, uh, chit chats and things. But Jesus wasn't calling Levi to just visit him. He asked him to be with him. He asked him to hear him, to be there so he could hear him at all times, day or night. Jesus taught all day and all night, every waking moment. Those disciples sat there at his feet and heard. John even says, if we were to write down all the things that Jesus said and did, the world couldn't contain the books because Jesus was constantly teaching. So he wanted Levi to be there near him, hearing him, not just on occasion. He wanted Levi to be close to him. Now that'll come back to us in a few minutes. He wanted him right up alongside him. Now we know John was there. At the Last Supper, John is leaning against his chest there, and he's just loving being close to Jesus Christ. But John wasn't the only one that Jesus wanted next to him. Jesus invited Levi, come up close to me, follow me, watch me, do what I do, say the things the way I say them, become like the man Christ Jesus. You know, he was a man for a purpose. There's several purposes, but one of them is to be our example. When it comes to... Uh, following Jesus, it is for us to be a copy of Jesus. That's why we, we use the term disciple. Disciple means a follower. And that's why we allow for the use of the word Christian. Christian means like Christ. Jesus said to Levi, I want you to be like me. Now, think about what it costs to follow Jesus. We read in the last part of verse 14, it says, and he arose and followed him. Just the last part of that verse, when Jesus said, follow me, without any hesitation, uh, um, the um, uh, Levi stood up and followed him. And I want you to realize for a moment, what was, what was it that, that um, Levi was exchanging here? Well, it's just about everything in his life. It usually is just about everything to follow. It costs you just about everything to follow Jesus. That doesn't mean that it, it, it's the worst thing in the world. It actually is a great exchange. 
Take your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 and verse 27. <clears throat> Luke 5, 27. After these things, he went forth and he saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said, this is, Matt, this is Luke quoting it. Uh, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And he left all. He rose up and he followed him. What did he leave? Well, um, it, uh, he left all that money under that table. He left all that power that he had. He left the, the authority of those Roman soldiers who were there to protect him. He exchanged it all. The kind of lifestyle that he was living, the kind of things that he could buy, the holidays he could take, and he left it all. What does it cost us to follow Jesus? Well, it might just cost you everything. Go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 59. If you're ever going to follow Jesus, it, it, it really, it, it can hurt. But the exchange value, the, the, the transfer of what you're paying versus what you get can't be compared. Look at Luke chapter 9 and verse 59. Jesus said unto another, look at the words. He doesn't just say it to a select few. He says it to another guy. We don't even know his name. He says, and he said to another man, follow me. But he said, Lord, uh, excuse me, suffer me first to go and bury my father. I need to go take care of some family matters. Fair dues. Verse 60, Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home in my house. And Jesus said to him, no, no, no. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Leave the plow. Let the dead bury the dead. Um, uh, one, uh, one more. Go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 in verse 10. Jesus had just... Um, done a miracle with Peter, James, John, Andrew. Uh, they had been fishing and they caught a boatload, several boatloads of fish. In verse, uh, um, verse nine says, and he, Peter was astonished and all that were with him at the draught, the catch of the fishes which they had taken, verse 10. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not, from hence that, henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, look at what they did. They forsook, they abandoned all, and they, here's our key words, followed him. They left all those fish. They left the boats. They left them with their fathers. They left them with the other servants. And they abandoned every plan and every bit of control they had, and they decided they were going to follow Jesus. Now, I'll just say it, uh, as I said it there, Levi didn't debate. You, you find it there. As soon as Jesus says in Mark chapter two, follow me, it says, and he arose and followed him like, like an instant. He pushed himself back from his chair. He stood up, laid his uh, quill down. He laid uh, all of his uh, adding, uh, um, ab uh, abacus, ab uh, how do you say that name? Uh, abacus. He laid everything aside. He got up. I bet those soldiers watched him walk away. He said, where are you going? And he ignored everything except Jesus Christ. That was the call of Levi. Now, you think, well, see, it must have been, you know, when, 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 uh, uh, when you're trying to do something for God, it always is sad and sorrowful. It is not. 
You see, we come now to the joy of Levi. Gee, Levi enjoyed whatever it cost Levi, he wasn't worried about because he had Jesus now. I want you to look at verse uh, 15. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat, we'd say sat at a meal in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many and they followed him. Now, just taking that verse, I want you to look at the joy of Levi at that dinner. First of all, he invited Jesus to dinner. Levi was not going to live two lives. He's not going to live one at home and another at church. Levi says, I'm going to bring Jesus home. So he immediately made Jesus the center of everything in his life. Now, that's not an easy thing to do. You'll always struggle with, boy, how do I bring Jesus into this conversation? How do I bring Jesus into this problem in my life? And how do, how do I look to him? But Levi at least had the right intention. He said, man, this man loves me. I, I, I want to bring him home. I want him to enjoy a meal. I want a fellowship with Jesus. And I think it's marvelous that he would believe that Jesus would come. You see, nobody else, if Levi had ever asked anyone else, if Levi had ever asked Peter, would you come and have a meal with me? I guarantee you, Peter would have said, not on your life. But Jesus overruled all of that cultural walls. And Jesus said, I'll come. What are we having for dinner? Levi felt that Jesus would come to his home. He believed that Jesus would not reject his own small invitation because of what it might look to others. Now, Jesus invites him to call, uh, 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 to, to follow him. Jesus calls uh, Levi to follow him. And then Levi calls, invites Jesus to eat with him. And guess what? It's wonderful. You answer God's call, God will answer yours. That's really cute. You know, if you ever ask Jesus Christ into your life, he will not refuse you. Because what you're doing is you're deciding, I will follow Jesus. You're not trying to negotiate anything. You're trying to just follow him. And then all of a sudden, God answers prayer. He believed that's a marvelous thing. He then went out and he invited his friends. He didn't invite his friends to dinner, but he invited them to meet his Savior. What kind of company did he keep? Look back at verse 15. It came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, look at the picture. Many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many. Now just stop there for a second. The room was filled with sinners. I mean, there were thieves and harlots. There were uh, rebels against the government. There were outcast and rejected people filling every corner of that house. They were the lowest of the community. All the other publicans out of all the other region, all the other areas around the Sea of Galilee were invited. Why? Because those were, um, those were Levi's kind. You know, the birds of a feather, they do flock together. And so these, are, these were Levi's company. These were the people he ran with because nobody else would, would be with him. And so when he called for his friends, these are the kind of people that showed up the people you wouldn't trust around your wallet, the people you wouldn't trust around your wife or your daughters. These are the kind of people that Jesus was now sitting in the midst of. Now, uh, um, Jesus wanted them all to meet, I'm sorry, Levi wanted all of his friends to meet the man who loved sinners. I want you to think about that for a minute. Levi wanted his friends to meet somebody who loved sinners. Now they all sat, now it says there, it says, as Jesus sat at me. Now, sometimes we think of like at a table 
And there's some times where you sit down at a table, but in that house, Jesus is not sitting at the table and everybody else lower than him. He's sitting with them. You have a house, maybe 50 people, 60, 100. I don't know how big the house was. If he's a, if he's a proper tax collector and if he was any good at his tax collecting, graft and taking money off the top, he had a palace. He made up for his loneliness by having this big, expansive palace, his own private pool. I don't know what. There, that place was packed to the gills. And there they were. They're all sitting with Jesus, eating a meal together. That may surprise you. Uh, it may not surprise you because you, you're here at church. I'm talking to the choir. But it surprised everyone else. Here's a large crowd all sitting, I believe, on the floor gathered around Jesus. Jesus was not above them, even though he is the son of God. Jesus was on their level. They were all eating the same food. Think about it. Can you imagine the very plate that was handled by a harlot then was handled to handed to Jesus and Jesus took bread off of it as well. I mean, this was unheard of. These sinners, and I want you to see right here, you're gonna see it in just a moment. He sat in the meat, sat at meat in his house, verse 15. Many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. But I want you to see in just a moment that his disciples have don't have close access to Jesus. Those sinners did. They're closer to Jesus. I'll show you how I know that in just a minute. Now, gathered around Jesus are all of these sinners listening to Jesus, fellowshipping in his presence. And guess what? That's what church is. Church is not a group of good people. Church is a group of sinners sitting at the feet of Jesus. Yes, I'm a pastor. I'm teaching, preaching the Bible but we're sitting at the feet of Jesus. We're listening, we're fellowshipping with him. We're learning of him. We're yearning to be more like him. Not because we're good people. Churches are not filled with good people. They're filled with, with people who think they're good. Churches are filled with sinners who sit at the feet of Jesus and yearn to be saved or changed, if they are saved, changed into his image. So they gather around Jesus. Think about that. This is a church service going on. And oh, how we need that again. Electronic church just doesn't do it. Very soon, come, come July, we're hoping that this thing really settles and we're able to get church again. And right there, I want to say this. Many sinners became followers of Jesus. Not just Levi, but at the end, it says, for there were many and they followed him. Who did? The harlots, the publicans, the thieves, the, the government um, uh, rebels, every one of them became followers of Jesus. Do you know, you think about it, one man's testimony, Levi. One man's, it wasn't even a great change of life. It was just the beginning of his Christian walk. And his testimony so impressed those people. They came for dinner and they heard Jesus and themselves they each chose to follow him. You know, your testimony may affect a lot of people unless you're a Pharisee. Because Pharisees only look for faults and they will. They're only hypercritical, and they are. And if you can't, if you can't stop and just watch Jesus, you will find try to find fault with him, and you'll miss the whole boat. And I see this today, and all, and so much of the world, and so much even of Christianity, we're way too critical of one another. We don't know how to just love. We don't know how to listen. We don't know how to let God change us. And it hurts us. It hurts the church. It hurts our world. Many sinners, I want you to understand, 
That was the people Jesus came for. We're going to learn that in a moment. But there's a problem going on. Look at verse 16. When the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples. Now, imagine the crowd. And the Pharisees are not in that crowd, so they're at the back. And Jesus is speaking, so they can't speak over the crowd and ask the disciples. The disciples, Peter, James, John, uh, uh, Andrew, are back. They've been pushed back. And sometimes I want you to see a, a principle here that sometimes the Lord's not doing anything great in your life because he's working in some new Christian's life. You just stay the course. You go through a season where it's just kind of quiet. It's okay. You're kind of facing the, the world, the persecution. That's okay. God's at work. He hadn't abandoned you. He's just sort of brought somebody else super close to him right at that moment trying to get them saved. It's a great principle to learn. The disciples have been pushed back a bit. And so they approach those disciples and they are upset with Jesus. First thing I want you to notice, Jesus is inside. Oh, let me finish reading verse, well, I think I did. Uh, let me finish verse 16. I'll start again. When the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, he said unto his disciples, how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? How is that? How can he do that? Now, what they're upset about is Jesus is inside a tax collector's home. This is a no-no. This belongs in all the gossip sections of every newspaper in the area. Jerusalem needs to hear about what Jesus is doing. Not only is inside a publican's home, he is surrounded not by good people, but by bad people. Now I say bad in the sense that that's what the Pharisees thought they were. But they were sinful people. They were messed up people. They were broken people. And Jesus is surrounded by them. He doesn't look like a great leader. He doesn't look like, like the next Messiah. And it even gets worse, Jesus is eating with them. Uh, he is touching the same foods. He is talking with them and laughing with them. They're having a meal. It's not quiet. It's not like church, like we go to a church. And... No, no. They, it was a fellowship. It was what Jude calls a love feast. It was a great time of just expressing love and listening and respect and, and teaching about the kingdom of God and the change of life and the change of hearts that was necessary. Oh, but... Holy people aren't supposed to do that. Holy people are supposed to stay above everyone else. Holy people are supposed to keep to their kind, stay with the righteous. You know how that is, you know? And I want you to understand the Pharisees developed something that is called today the clergy and the laity syndrome. The clergy is the religious, those good people, those people that don't sin. And then the laity those are the common people. You know, in Latin, you know, the word laity, it means little people, whereas the clergy are way above. And that's not what Jesus ever wanted in his church. Think about this. Um, uh, think about this. Jesus loves, loves sinful souls, not their sins. He never once approved or participated in any of these people's lifestyles. He was not approving of anything um, uh, that they did he just loved their souls. He knew every wicked thought and every wicked word they'd ever said. Here was Jesus stepping all the way down to our level. Why? 
because that's where we are. We can't get up to his level. He came all this way down to save us. And he showed us that he wants to save us. He actually can take us at the lowest. Now, yeah, he can take anybody, but he can take the lowest. And he can make them into an apostle. He can make them into somebody just like him. That's what a disciple means. So they're asking, well, let me come to this thing. Um, uh, the Pharisees confronted Jesus' disciples. Peter, James, John, evidently that day, they're not very important to Jesus, not as important as Levi was. They're not even sitting close to Jesus. All the harlots, the sinners, the publicans were up close. So here's Peter and the other disciples on the outside looking in. And the Pharisees come along and try to embarrass them. They try to get the, do you see what your master is doing? Do you see what he's eating with? Do you know that woman? Have you not ever seen that person and how wicked they are? You know, the Pharisees try to embarrass those disciples by pointing out the kind of people that Jesus was hanging around with, the company that Jesus was willing to keep with. You know, he was not only, Jesus was not only looking to be around fishermen and commoners, but he was wanting to be around sinners and fishermen were repulsed at publicans. So they asked, how can any great teacher or preacher or a holy man be doing what Jesus is doing? And I want you to notice the disciples do not answer. It implies that they're kind of embarrassed. And I kind of figure they were. So Jesus, and I want to say this, Jesus used the Pharisees' criticism to teach about the kingdom of God. Look at verse 17. And when Jesus heard it, and you better mark that down, Jesus heard the criticism. Jesus hates that criticism. And he always hears what we say with our mouth, even our idle words. So be careful because it's wrong to be a critic like the Pharisees. I mean, you don't correct. But Jesus comes along and he says, let's read there in verse 17. And when he heard it, he saith unto them, they that are whole, we'd say healthy, have no need of the physician. But they that are sick, they need the physician. I came not, the, not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Here's the big deal. Jesus came along and said, sick people need a physician. And we'd all say that's exactly right. Jesus didn't preach against doctors, and don't you either. Sometimes you do need a doctor. And uh, thank God for doctors. Thank God for nurses. We, have, we are blessed in this country, and a lot of places in this world would give the right arm just to have a tenth of the kind of access we have to health care. But Jesus said very simply, he said, sick people need a physician, not healthy ones. Healthy people don't need doctors. Sick people do. Then he said a second part. He said, sinful people need a savior. He said, I, he wasn't a physician. He, even though he could heal, he didn't come to heal or else we have constant healing today. He came to save. Uh, sinful people need a savior. That's why he hung with sinful people. If he wanted, he could have just hung in a graveyard with dead people and raised them all from the dead. That's not what he came for. He could have just gone and hung around with all the lepers, but that was not his, that was physical healing. Jesus came to heal the heart and the soul. Sinful people need a savior. Most people think that righteous and holy people do not need a savior. They're pretty good. They believe they're only sinners. I mean, people I talk to all the time, I get to the point where I say, do you believe you're a sinner? And you know what they say? No. <laughs> you know what? They can't be saved. Because Jesus came to save sinners. 
He doesn't save good people because they don't exist. No wonder so many people reject Jesus Christ because they can never see themselves as sinners, as people who are sick in the heart and in the soul. So the kingdom of God is experienced, and this is a great truth. He, he, the kingdom of God is experienced and enjoyed by sinners more than by the righteous people. Sinful people go right into the kingdom of God while religionists miss it completely. Matthew chapter 21, go back to the back, go back to the left just a few pages. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 31. 21, 31, at the end of the verse, it says this. Matthew 21, 31. Verily, Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you that the publicans, there's Levi, there's all of those tax collectors, and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you right in there ahead of you. You're sitting back here, you're finding fault instead of saying, you know, I'm gonna get in on this thing. The kingdom of God, you know, there are, there are more people at the bottom of society enjoying church than the people who have all the money. The people who have all the, have the cars, have the jobs, have, have all of the popularity. You know what, people who are broken don't have two pennies to rub together. People who are ignored, people who are rejected by the world, they enjoy being saved infinitely more than anybody who thinks they're not that bad. Now, why do they do that? Why are they experiencing it? Because there is none righteous. No, not one. The Bible says that, Romans 3.10, none of us are righteous. We all come short of the glory of God. You know else why the harlots and the publicans enjoy Christianity and while the good people don't need it? Because Sinners were just accepting the invitation. You know what the good people do? The good people say, oh, uh, what must I do? Uh, uh, where do I get baptized? Um, uh, how much money should I give? Um, where do I go to attend this meeting? And now you forget. All you have to do is accept the invitation. Jesus invites all sinners. He says, come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy laden under the load of your sin, and I will give you rest. And I'll give it unto your souls. Even the, chiefs of, even the chiefest of sinners just accept the invitation. There were no works. Jesus didn't say, oh, by the way, I need you to uh, shine my shoes. I need you to fix me a meal. I need you to do this in order for me to give. No. Jesus said, just, just be near me. Just follow me. And third reason why sinners can enjoy Christianity while the good people don't, because Jesus makes the change. Religion doesn't do it. I find a lot of really uppity people going to all the high churches, all the fancy churches. They go and they get in all of the uh, big cathedrals and everything. And what are they there for? They're there for themselves. They're there because that's where all the good people go. You know where, where sinners go? To where Jesus is. They go to the humble places. They go to places where they're not even, there's not even a roof. You know, a lot of Christianity, I think the majority of Christianity in the world is dirt poor. Now, we're pretty well off, but you go around this world and you find believers meeting in Zambia and Belize and the Congo. You find believers meeting in a lot of places where there is no money and they're more happy. They will stay for church for six hours because it took them three hours to walk there. They love church. They love God. They love Jesus Christ. They love the word of God. 
because Jesus makes the change. They're not there for the building. They're not there for who to, be, who to see them. They're there because Jesus changes them. Um, let me make a point here at the end of verse 17. I want to say something here because almost all the new Bibles remove the emphasis on those last words to repentance. Let me read verse 17 again. When Jesus heard it, he's saying to them, they that are whole and have, have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He called them to, <clears throat> to, to, um, to an act, not a work, but to an act of heart that says, how am I looking at my life and my sin? Now I'll talk about this next week because that's gonna be how we finish up this month. But did you know the NIV, you say, why do you use that King James Bible? I'll show you one of the 50 reasons why I use the King James Bible, why I believe it is the word of God from cover to cover. Watch this, the New International Version, the English Standard Version. It's very popular today. The New Jerusalem Bible that most Catholics have. Guess what they all say in unison? Watch it. Same verse, Mark 2, 17. And when Jesus heard it, he said unto them, those that are well, have no need of a physician, but those that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Full stop. Full stop. That's a crazy thought because something is missing there. And only your King James Bible has it. The King James Version comes along and says, when Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, they that are whole have no need of physician. So far, so good. But they that are sick, so far, so good. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. That's where all the other Bibles stop. He doesn't stop there. He actually says, I came to call the righteous, not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. There's a hard attitude you have to have when you come to Jesus Christ. There's not a work you have to do, but there's a hard attitude and repentance is an act of the heart. Again, like I say, that's what I'll talk about tomorrow. Just want to throw that in for you because repentance is missing. In a lot of Bibles. Here's a conclusion. Just as Jesus knew all about Levi, he knows about you. He sees you as you can be. You know, uh, he, he knows you for, for who you are and what you do and what you don't do and stuff. And yet he calls you. He knows your past. He knows your weaknesses. And yet he calls you to himself. He calls you to a greater purpose. He didn't just say, Hey, Levi, how you doing? I love you. And then walked away. No, he said, hey, Levi, follow me. It was a summons. It was emphatic. Do it, Levi. Leave what you're doing. No matter it costs, follow at my side. You know, if, if Levi had just stayed back there and says, nah, Jesus may never have passed by again and never called him again, he had one chance to respond. And he took it. He said, I can't miss this opportunity. I will go with Jesus. Here's the truth. Every sinner on this planet is summoned to follow Jesus. Again, I'll say this. It's not a request. It is emphatic. Follow me. Jesus didn't ask Levi and didn't ask you to be good. Didn't ask you to be baptized. Doesn't ask you to join some church. Quit thinking that salvation is something you can just simply refuse. You can go ahead and try. I don't care. Actually, I do. But my, my point is that you can't just, just think about, well, maybe not. Not today. Maybe later. You don't do that with a summons with the court. Quit thinking that Jesus, oh, he expects too much of me. 
You know what Jesus expects? Just follow him. Just follow him. It may take years before changes take place in your life, but they will as you follow him. I'm going to say this. Where are the sinners today? If multitude of wicked sinners followed Jesus back then, where are they today? Where are they? How come there's not 500 people following right now trying to learn the Bible? How come churches weren't full? Do you know when when the governments, all the governments all over the world, I, I don't know about all of them, but I heard constantly government after government, nation after nation saying churches are non-essential. And somebody said something there weeks ago and says, you know who made them non-essential? The Christians did. The Christians who already were barely coming to church. They already, already were not interested in, in serving in their local church. They already weren't giving. They already weren't doing anything. Church already was unessential to Christians. You know, if, if multitudes of wicked sinners decided to follow Jesus back then, where are they today? I mean, the same call is going out. We have the same needs. You know, there's too few who actually realize they are sinners. There are too many Pharisees today, religious people who are still lost. None of those sinners became perfect. Can I encourage you? That night, Jesus didn't wave a magic wand and they all became good, upstanding, solid citizens who never did wrong after that. Not at all. You know what? That night, they all accepted Jesus. They were all accepted. Let me say it this way. They were all accepted by Jesus as they were. All were forgiven by Jesus because of what he was going to do on the cross. And all were given the same call that was given to Levi to follow Jesus. Isn't it amazing? You know, you only you think only special people. Probably before this message, you might have thought Levi must have been a really holy man. Peter must have been a holy man. John must have been the apostle. John must have been a holy man. And I know they strove to be, but not when Jesus met him. You know, when Jesus met Peter, Peter got on his knees and says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Yeah, and Jesus said, yeah, but I want you. Special people don't get called by Jesus. You know, if you're going into the special forces, you're going in the military and, and you strive to be in the special forces, they look for a very select few. Jesus doesn't do that. Not many wise, not many noble are called. Only sinners are. God calls every man, every all men everywhere to repent and to follow him. Why? Why, why would I follow Jesus? Because he can save you. He can save your marriage. He can reach down into your life and make sense of it all and put it back together. Is there anyone listening right now to the voice, to the sound of my voice, who will walk away from his or her income, who will decide to give up their power, their plans for the future, all so that you can answer the call to follow Jesus? Now, it may not come to that. It may not come that you have to lose all of the things that Levi gave up, but are you willing? Are you willing to lose all that pride and all of that prestige just so that you can follow Jesus? Levi was, and countless people have been throughout history. Why are you different? Let me ask you just a few more questions in conclusion. Number one, what kind of company do you keep? Think about it. Who are your friends and family that, that are your kind? Are they sinners? Good. Good. Invite them to listen to Jesus. Give them this uh, YouTube, this, this webpage. Tell them, y'all, you need to listen to this. Invite them to listen to Jesus Christ. Give them a Bible. Give them a gospel track. Say, this is who changed my life. Get them to gather around together with, with, uh, uh, with Jesus 
Invite them to church when we get it going again. You know what? The Bible says so many of all of those harlots and sinners and publicans decided to follow him. We, we might just have revival. How do we follow Jesus? Personally, if you're going to follow Jesus, you need to spend time with him every day, all through the day. Uh, learn of him. Study his life and his words. You know what Philippians 2 says? Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. Study his life, the way he thought, the way he, and say, make me just like him. Let Jesus lead you and you just follow. That's how you follow. And have the goal of becoming a copy of Jesus Christ. Not God. You're not trying to be God or like God. You're trying to be like the man Christ Jesus, who is our example, our perfect example. Remember, the very word Christian is not a denomination. The word Christian means Christ-like. Don't be like the Pharisees, shocked at the realness of Jesus. By the way, he is quite real. <laughs> Don't be like the Pharisees finding fault, not only with Jesus, but with his followers and the people that hang around him. You know, if you look at Christians very closely, you'll find a lot of flaws. Forget it. That's who Jesus invites, looked unto Jesus. And maybe, maybe one of you, two, three, I don't know, maybe somebody watching this thing will say, you know what, if it, if it was possible for Levi, could it be possible that Jesus would call me? And the Bible says, whosoever. God so loved the world, the world, that's a lot of people, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have, not just heaven, but have everlasting life. You have a whole new life. And when you decide his invitation is worth following, his invitation is worth answering, that you'd say, I'll follow Jesus. It's not very hard. You may lose some things, but all Jesus does is watch me. Decide to listen to me. Let me talk to you heart to heart. Let me tell you where the problem is. Let me show you how to be forgiven. And if you listen to him, you'll become free indeed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for Levi. Lord, you knew exactly who to call and how he would respond so that you could use it as an example to us. All these things happened as an example for us. Lord, uh, in that whole crowd, there was one man who, when you called, you, he, was, he was going to get up and he was going to follow. And that one simple act of faith reached countless numbers of people. And still, it's written in the Gospels. Over and over, three of the four Gospels, the event is recorded to remind us it's not that hard. It's what every sinner must do. Lord, in this audience, there are probably quite a few who know they're sinners, but there are some who are struggling with the concept. I pray for them. I pray that they are honest and say, you know, I have broken God's laws. I, I, I'm, I'm not maybe a bad sinner. I may not be as bad as someone else, but I'm not good either. And so I need a savior every Personalist, my Christ Jesus came to this world to save sinners. Lord, I pray somebody believes that and says, I'll let you save me now. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.